0: Community of members, coaches, and professionals working as a team of like-minded individuals in constant pursuit, connecting this exclusive group with the tools and resources they require to live a high performance lifestyle, conquering what life has thrown at them. We are living the fit life. Welcome to the Living the Fit Life Podcast, episode thirty-nine. I'm your host, Chad Mueller, and I'm joined again by Coach ADJ. Adam, how's it going, buddy?
1: I'm good, I'm good. Excited for today's episode. Sit down with our special guest, the man who uh, actually introduced me to Iron Man, or should I say, pure pressured me into Iron Man. Amazing. So excited for that today.
0: Looking forward to that story. Uh, yeah, you and I have been crushing these podcasts recently. I feel like we've uh, been doing a good job season two. I think people miss, miss Michelle, but um, maybe it's just the amazing guests that uh, make us look pretty good.
1: <laughs> That's true. Michelle's been uh, deep diving into this body comp challenge so mm-hmm. she's working hard with that crew to get their meal plans set and help them crush their goals so we'll have her back on soon oh and she's uh 29 weeks pregnant so yeah, that, that could, that, that, that right, could throw right. a bit of a damper into the plans too right, right.
0: <laughs> awesome yeah i'm excited too to sit down and chat with uh transient member lp member dave inglis dave you've been um a big part of the LP community for quite a while. And you've shared a lot of information with both me and Adam. Um, So I'm really excited to sort of sit down and chat with you. How's it going, buddy?
2: I'm doing super good. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be able to spend the afternoon with you two. So let's, uh, let's jump into it. Let's jump into
0: it. Love it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And yeah, Dave, uh, he's built a lot of really amazing tools that he's used to sort of work with uh, top leaders in the community, um, Tim went some of these strategies and the tools for success in your in per, personal life and professional life. And he is the owner and operator of threshold leadership. So we'll dive into that too, but I do definitely want to hear about, um, I just want to jump into, I want to hear about the Ironman story for sure, since that seems to be a topic that we've been talking about a lot lately. So Dave, you are an Ironman.
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. i an Ironman. It seems like a distant memory, but we've done uh, the full the full distance Ironman once, and then done a couple couple half of Ironmans. It's one one hell of a journey. And I guess even hearing you say that you are an Ironman, um, it's a bit nostalgic. It, it brings back that moment of running down the final clip before the finish line. It's also a good reminder that that's a permanent achievement that yeah yeah doesn't really leave you right. It, it's certainly an experience that I think brands you um, with a series of memories, um, that are impossible to forget. So yeah, you got Liam and I am an Ironman, I guess. Thanks for the reminder. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no I agree with, but I agree with Dave on that. Like when you're running down that final shoot to the finish line, it is like a boom, a, although you're exhausted and fatigued and it's like your memories of all the training you've done and all the sacrifices you've made and, even the people around you that have made because of the hours that you've had to put in. And it is like a crazy whirlwind of, uh, of feelings and emotions. And um, Dave was like the leader of this because he peer pressured me into steelhead in 2018, which was both of our first half iron man. And we just, you know, dove into it head first about three months out and here we go giddy up, got all our, our, our gear and training underway. I think we followed what a, an Amazon or, or <laughs> Google training plan. It was, I think, I
2: think we did until we, uh, we, we met people who knew what the heck they were actually doing. and could guide us a little bit more, but, but you're right. Still had was the first one. She so pointed out like the emotional moment of it. I remember in, in Whistler, it wasn't even crossing the finish line. It was the quiet private moments, like a kilometer or two before the finish line <laughs> where you just start to process everything that goes into it. But it's interesting when you look at the bookends of that, there's that journey of um, being overwhelmed with, with the joy and, and, and feeling so proud of the accomplishment um, on one end. I also remember that morning in Steelhead when we woke up, you and I, like for context, we still ain't very good swimmers. Like we can swim, but <laughs> we, weren't, we were really not good swimmers then. And I remember we were banking on these, um, these wetsuits to keep us afloat. <laughs> and this was our first time really doing open water. And we get there, 5 a.m., the water temperature had risen just a little bit overnight. It's a no-wetsuit day, and there's like three feet of waves coming in <laughs> in Lake uh, Michigan. Oh, man, I think our wives were pretty petrified for us and wondering who if both of us would actually come out the other side.
1: It's exactly what I was thinking. Michelle and Jen were like, oh, my God. They were more... We're just naive and stupid. They were actually scared for us.
2: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I remember my dad. Uh, my dad was kind enough to actually uh, tell the truth to me and be honest and saying, "Like, I fucking cried when you came out of the water. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, cried. <laughs> it was great to see that you guys were alive." Thank but, God. What, there good he memories, is. what good memories.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Really? That's amazing. And so, like taking a step back, like, how did you get introduced to LP and to Adam in, in the in the group?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So I um I got introduced to LP and kind of walked through the doors first time, uh, kicking and screaming if I can be honest with you. So my <laughs> my, my, my wife Jen uh, Forstall, uh, Dr. Jen, as many have come to know her, has been a a, a real longtime member. She's not a transient member like me. Um, and uh, when I started dating Jen and getting to know her, this would have been about yeah probably six or seven years ago now. She was telling me about this great this great community and this great guy Adam and Michelle and and this idea of limitless performance in this gym that she went to. And um, she kept asking me, she took to crisp my arm. You got to come, you got to come. And I remember one day, like I said, kind of kicking and screaming. She had brought me, I think it was a lunch hour session. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it, truthfully, because it was at your old location. Um, and there was one exercise in particular. It was overhead lunges. And I remember doing it with a barbell. And I had the woman's barbell with no weights on it. And Jen was rocking down beside me with more weight than I put on. And I, at that moment, I was like, okay, I hate the fact that I'm here in this moment, but I'm also so glad I'm on the inside of these doors, not the outside, because the fact of maybe need to realize that I haven't been investing in myself in this way and this painful realization is maybe the swift kick in the ass that I needed. So, um, that was really the kind of like beginning of it all. But like I said, um, I think like any really meaningful change, if you're honest about the beginning of that and where it all begins, um, I didn't necessarily walk through um, wanting to be there, if I can just be entirely honest, right? And I think that's the great thing about being surrounded by people, and in my case, married to people who love you enough to bring you to the places they know you need to be.
0: Amazing. So that when would that have been? That would have been like back in the old location, like 2016? No.
1: Adam would know. be a better judge of that. Do well, you Adam? okay. I, I feel like the first Jen. Jen's an amazingly smart woman. She brought you to the LP anniversary golf tournament where she knew you would really thrive and connect. Oh, <laughs> she did. You're right. You're and right. That would have been probably September of 2017. That's my guess. Okay. That's my guess. And then. Dave must have started soon after that with his, with his well-remembered lunchtime class where Jen kicked his butt. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. That's pretty cool.
0: And then you love the fitness so much that you started peer pressuring Adam to do an Ironman and then you guys ended up doing a bunch of Ironmans or half in in a full. Amazing.
2: Yeah. I think there's, there's probably a handful of stories in between uh, those moments. Right. But yeah, it's certainly, um, a lot of things changed for me once I started to invest in my health, if I'm honest, right? I just it kind of awoke in that very athletic, primitive part of me that I think was dormant for a long time and started to just really naturally see the impact that started to have in my professional vocation, what I was doing for a living and how I was showing up just even in my relationships and the people that I loved. I think for many people listening to this podcast, they can totally relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a huge Huge impact on how we feel, how we lead, how we show up, and so it's hard not to see what's possible and want want more. And I think that kind of goes back to the idea of Iron Man, like anything is possible, right? Is mm-hmm. is the whole is the whole mantra with Iron Man, and it was just the next thing as a part of that journey, where once you start to realize that you can maybe uncover or find these really cool goals and see yourself doing things that you didn't even ever imagine you could do before, which in the case of joining LP was even simple things like doing cleans. I remember getting like Adam for one-on-one coaching at one point in time and like seeing the progression that I had there. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. With some focus and some deliberate practice, look at what can happen. And so I think just inevitably like Ironman, which is another mile marker, another challenge that kind of, Created that similar type of excitement, the unknown of shit. Can I actually do this? And quietly knowing that you absolutely can, with the right practice, with the right environment, and maybe a little delusional optimism and an Amazon guidebook to get you there, like Adam and I did to <laughs> start. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's cool. amazing. Dave, Dave definitely loves to do stuff with a purpose and with the focus, and we kind of caught vibe of that from the second you walked in the door when he was you know challenging himself every day to do the little things better whether that was to learn the clean and jerk or like master some of the other technique or lifts or or gymnastics at LP and then like he said eventually that turned into Ironman training and unleashing kind of that inner competitor in him that was always there from young athlete and growing up and it was amazing to see the transformation happen and, and, you know, bring the community. Dave said that like we immediately and immediately surrounded ourselves with other people that would help us. Craig Haney helped us right away. And then we met other, you know, triathletes at the pool who immediately helped us. And I think that was when I started learning from Dave, like, you know, coaches and community, um, to help you achieve your goals and having people around you that you can trust and building that team um, was so, so important um, and helpful when you wanted to achieve those crazy goals that maybe you never knew you could achieve. Mm-hmm.
0: said. Um, and yeah, amazing. So yes, Dr. Jen, yourself and, and your whole entire family. sort of what, what impact has the LP community had on your, you and sort of your family? I always like asking this question to people in our community.
2: Hmm. That's a thoughtful question. Um, Well, I think I've heard it said in different ways from different people in the community, but those who train together stay together, I think, right. In particular, in the context of like a, of a marriage, Mm -hmm. um, it was originally. And so I would say, like First and foremost, it was really impactful on Jennifer and I having a shared experience that we could have together and really have some consistency, practicing some of the qualities in each other that we both admired a lot, the hard work, the ethic, and actually being able to see that come to life with so much consistency. So I would say like at the most intimate level, me and Jen had a huge impact on us being able to see each other in the best parts of each other on a really regular basis and support each other and being able to... Move forward in that. Um, I would say, like you know, choosing your spouse is one of the most important decisions you can ever make in your life. And being able to train together, while we weren't necessarily married at the time, it was a huge impact on my sense of this is the right person. This is the type of person that I want to spend my life with, who's committed to this process of continuously getting better, whether that's at work or at health. And things ebbs and flows, or seasons where we do more of each of those than others. But I would say, at the most intimate level, Chad, like that's that's a biggie. Um, and then otherwise, I think I've, I've had this experience a couple times in my life. One of them was actually with, um, well, Adam, you were there. Adam, Michelle, uh, Matt, Lindsay, Jenna, myself went down into Toronto to the Titan Summit. But actually, I think it was the Personal Mastery Academy with Robin Sharma. Right. And there's nice a time. few of these experiences that I've had where, again, that, I'm just using this as another example of a community where you finally kind of plug in and it's like, oh, like this is where all my friends were hanging out. This is where everybody was. And I feel like for me growing up, Chad, both like at a younger age and now, I've often found myself kind of like floating between different groups of friends and never really feeling like I have this sense of um, like effortless belonging or like one community that I kind of belong to. And I would say that like coming into the LP, coming into the Titan community with Robin Sharma, those are two of a couple experiences in my life where it felt like a bit of a homecoming. It felt like all of a sudden I was like, oh, like this is the community and the people who I felt like like nobody like this existed. And all of a sudden I'm in a room or in a building or in a, in a gym where there's an abundance of them. And um, I would say that was, that was huge for me, Chad. It was just being able to come across the community and build so many friendships that have grown outside of the gym. But the gym and the community of Limitless Performance was like ground zero. It's where... Those opportunities, those relationships and friendships were were born from. So I would say those are the two big impacts for me, and it, like above the above and beyond the obvious of like what impact does it have on your family when your kids get a chance to watch you literally not know how to fucking swim, <laughs> <laughs> and then going through the journey of over two years, having the chance to come and watch their dad or their stepdad take on an incredible challenge and execute on it with a smile on his face. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. What impact does that have? It's a bit of a rhetorical question, obviously, but like right, that's right. that's the obvious one that I didn't mention, and a huge one that I, when I think of the example that we're setting, LP community gave us a place to be able to practice to belong, where that became easy. It became like a natural thing, and a natural outcome.
1: Yeah, we we we've, we've I've heard you use the term effortless belonging before, Dave, and just the the like minded community high performers. Uh, you know, trying to live a healthy lifestyle while balancing career and family and social, you feel like you just belong because you're trying to do all the same things and you share the same struggles. And we've had, we had Aaron hunt on last episode and she shared the same thing about her kids getting to watch her conquer the marathon. And it's like, it's an indescribable feeling to, 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 hear what they say and how they respond and how they react so that's amazing to hear that from you too
2: mm. very
0: cool yeah no thanks for sharing um and there's another topic i wanted to jump into before we kind of get into uh, the threshold leadership and, and the other stuff that you you have going on um saunas recovery i know um you have a deep sort of passion for this recovery, mindfulness, yoga meditation and, and sauna and sort of hot hot and cold therapy. Um, I think the three of us share this sort of passion and, and uh, yeah this passion for this sort of stuff. I wanted to ask you sort of where did that start because I know that you have sort of the secret sauna I think a lot of people know that you have that like where did this all sort of start? And Where did you sort of how did you start implementing this into your into your sort of life?
2: Yeah, like, do you want do you want the origin story or where where sauna really kind of came <laughs> came from? <laughs> so um, when Jen and I first met, um, she often joked that she should write a book called "Every Other Day Parenting" because we had Kayla and Quinn every other day. That was just the way that it was set up. Some families have it one week on, one week off weekends, but our setup was every other day, and we loved it because. You could continuously oscillate between like being a family and just having the chance to, as young people go out and enjoy the world. And the way that we would spend some of that time together on weekends, it was when we started today, it was almost every single weekend we didn't have the kids. We would shoot up to blue mountain and go to the Scandinavian spa. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you are um, in the early days of any relationship, you go to quite the extent to have those types of experiences together. But as time goes on, and you look at your credit card statement, you're like, wow, I don't think we can continue to go to the Scandinavian <laughs> spa every other weekend. Um, and so where that kind of progressed from there, Jen and I both both loved spas um, and in particular saunas we loved and, and the coal plunges there. We said, well, where, where can we go that's maybe not two hours away and didn't cost us a couple hundred bucks every single time we wanted to go and do this. So we came across the Southwestern Bathhouse um the banya yeah, it's called and it's in mississauga just on dundas uh street there off of the um uh i think it's the 410 or the i've
1: been there or, I've or, been yeah you've been there, you've been there took... a couple of times yeah
2: and uh and then we would go there and it was amazing because it was a very different experience it was very rustic and rather than the environment where it was like shh, gotta keep quiet don't talk it was very loud it was very loud it was come and have sauna um and uh, and it was a very, very big traditional Russian banya. You're filled in there with 14, 15, 20 people. Everybody's chatting about the things that they love, um, enjoying a great meal and a bite to eat. And I remember the first time we walked in there, it was literally in the back of a strip mall. Like you pull up and I think mm-hmm. Tim and I both looked at each other and we're like, where, <laughs> where are we right now? And it was like a wedding gown store in the front. But anyway, you open the door, and we quickly came into, it was a very much a cultural experience, but one that woke us up to how um, ancient of a practice this has been, using sauna as a healing modality and as a, um, as a tool to bring community together. When we first started going to that particular banya, it's run by a great, 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 great family. And she would always refer to it as the poor man's pharmacy. she said, you can do all the drugs you want. You can party all you want. You can do all the fitness things you want, but you come to sauna every week. And it's the poor man's pharmacy. And that way you can always have your health about you. You don't need to ever take any pharmaceuticals. And so um, really, it kind of became not so much our, our, you know, the the poor man's pharmacy for us, where obviously we started to enjoy the benefits of that. But it just became this watering hole, this place that Mm -hmm. Jen and I would always go back to. And we actually ended up getting ourselves a, a season pass there. Fast forward a little bit been a couple years now since we go there. And it's cheaper than the Scandinavian spa, but it's still a drive. Like you're still going an hour down to the airport, an hour back. And we said to ourselves, we should just build our own. Why don't we just build our own? And that's where we ended up making the choice to uh, build a barrel sauna in our backyard. And, and we kind of haven't looked back since. I remember the earliest parts of those days, we used to set it up where obviously we would use it a ton almost every single day uh, when we had got it. But every Tuesday night, we would open it up where our barbecue would be hot and friends would come over with a little bit of meat if they wanted to or some food. they were welcome to use the grill. And it would just be a great way where consistently and Tuesday night, we didn't have the kids. We would have the sauna blazing hot. We'd have our best friends over. We'd enjoy a damn good meal, a great sweat, some cold plunge, and awesome conversation. And that's where I would say it really kind of took hold. And it wasn't so much something that we went to go and visit. It was something that really became a part of the fabric of our family and a way that we started to create community. And so very organically over time, like Tuesdays got really busy. Tuesdays got so busy to the point where like, we had to shut down Tuesdays because people were bringing their friends and it, it just became a party every single Tuesday, which when you're waking up early Wednesday, um, right. it's fun Tuesday night, but <laughs> it becomes a lot. And that's where we started to just ask the question, like, where do we where do we go from here? And so the evolution from that was um, next, this idea of, of finished Fridays, yeah. Every single Friday morning, um, rather than doing it on a Tuesday night um, and doing it at night, I would get up early, usually around four o'clock, and I'd fire up the barrel in the dead of winter. And we'd have it hot by five o'clock, 5.30. And sure enough, we'd have 10, 15 people show up. Sometimes it was like a whole crew from Lululemon or just a mixture of people from the LP community and friends that we knew and family members. They'd come over and same thing. Everybody just was yearning for the quietude that could exist in the sauna um, and the opportunity to be able to come together as a community and experience that. And then from there, I mean, COVID came, Mm -hmm. people weren't allowed to come over and hang out on Friday mornings anymore. And Jen and I were a bit lost to be honest with you, because like that, like I said, was the anchoring point for us. It was a reason why people would come and and enjoy community with us. And it was a way we built community. And at that point in time, um, you know, Jen and I still to this day have a vision of building a handful of boutique resorts around the world that would, would kind of create a meaningful experience like this. But as an interim step, we thought, well, what could we, what could we do? If we can't bring people to Sonic, can we bring Sonic to them? And so it certainly wasn't an intention to build a business out of it while obviously you have to like pay for your costs. It was more of a hobby and expression. I call it like an, an art form, an expression of my art. Of like, how can I build a sauna and start to bring that experience to other people? And that was the kind of catalyst for for the secret sauna, which many people have come to know and if not rent and put it in their driveway or their backyard and tear up their soccer fields. So, just like you, Chad. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a bit of like the origin of my experience with saunas. There's one thing, though, that I would love to highlight about sauna, because I think this is an important piece and why so many people have um, – Gotten so much value from it. I think a lot of us have a ton on the go. Like, even if you think about some of your members, Adam, like, even the act of getting to the gym for 45, 60 minutes in of itself is an effort. I get the heavy lift. Plus, you layer in there all the things that we know we should be doing for ourselves, like meal prep, eating well, meditating, hanging out with our spouses, being with our kids in a really present way. Oh, and let's layer in work. Like, my point is there's no shortage of shit that's on the go. And more of us have a to do list that's longer than what we're able to go and do. And so it's not always a choice of like making a decision between what's right and wrong in our days. Typically we're making choices between should I do this good thing or this good thing? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what I love about sauna is the multiplier effect for 60 minutes in a sauna. I get the therapeutic benefits of hot and cold therapy. Mm -hmm. I get to hang out with my best friends for 60 minutes. I get to throw on a meditation and enjoy a really intimate moment of presence and do some mental training and I get to have a tremendous meal with my loved ones after and have that sense of community and connection all within that same period of time. So I do think there's something really special about the multiplier effect there and the fact that you can actually integrate, or perhaps a better word is like synthesize um, a few things together, a few practices. And as, as a dad, as a business owner, I'm always looking for those types of opportunities to kind of create some intersections, um, and like extract extra value out of the time that I'm spending. So I think sauna is like one of those heavy hitters where you can really get a handful of really positive outcomes and, and inputs is maybe a better way of putting it um, from one single activity. Chad, would you would you agree with that, Chad, and your experience with, with sauna?
0: No, I love that. I've never really looked at it that way. I mean, I, I, I do know that it's like, it's an intentional thing to go out there and you can... and yeah, a sauna is better when when you're not by yourself, 100%, right? It's it's way more uh, functional. And so, yeah, so as with any other, well, I mean, with COVID, right, a lot of people have sort of dove into the sauna world, right? So it's really great to see. And we, we just got a new uh, sauna as well. Um, and we rented the sauna from you last year and the year before quite a lot. And Christine and I, she's like, well, we rented it like four or five times. Why don't we just get one? Right. And mm-hmm. so now we have one. And now we're kind of doing similar things that you kind of mentioned, right? Because it's like, well, we don't just want it for this ourselves. We didn't just gotta, like get a, a two person sauna, right? You want to share it with people. So we have uh, scheduled days on Sundays and we're looking for other days to kind of get other groups of friends. So yeah, like I totally, totally agree with all the things you said. It's amazing.
2: Very cool. And to your point about like sauna is always better with other people. I, I would agree. And There's something really neat about having a group of people who are together but alone. What do I mean by that? Like everybody together Mm. in the sauna, but nobody's talking. Mm. And there's a guided meditation where everybody's having their own individual experience in the presence of each other. So I think you can have both of those, right? And that's where to kind of build your own adventure at the end of the day.
0: Very cool. No, absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah, I can't. I'm I'm looking forward to the. It also gives you something to look forward to in the winter time, right? It's kind of like the best time to sauna and cold, and the cold tub is, is a must for sure. Is sort of fall leading into the winter time, so it's like it gives us reason to get outside, right? When it's sort of that those few months where you just want to sit inside. Um, So yeah, really looking forward to it. And cool. you, you introduced to- it to me, so thank you.
2: Hey, it's it's my pleasure. Maybe I'll introduce a couple quick things to you here while we're together. I don't know if Adam remembers this. Um, but a couple of accessories, Chad, to throw into your sauna. And for anybody no. else who's listening and has just bought bought the sauna themselves. Um, so you know what Venik is? The birch,
0: oh, birch yes. leaves? Oh, yes.
2: Yep. Yep. So getting some venic, it's called, right? So that's where you take birch leaves and you're, you're soaking them in water and using that to stimulate mm-hmm. blood flow yeah. and circulation. Another one is called makra. Have you heard of that yeah. yet? No, no. So um, maybe I'll drop one of these off at your place. But it's a ceramic... It's quite phallic looking, but it's, it's a ceramic, (laughs) um, uh, material. It's just, it's almost like a small, small little pipe and you would shove a sausage in it. Okay. And you put the makla on the rocks so that when you're sauning, it cooks the sausage. And when you're done, you cut up this big sausage into bites and have it with some nice mustard. Like it's just a great little post sauna snack. It might be turning a few people off the idea of cooking, uh, (laughs) we could meet in there but like you're doing it anyway with your friends
0: that sounds so euro yeah. so we're probably in for sure
2: <laughs> there you go there you go Amazing. um and then there's there's another one you can get little sauna elves i'll have to send you a picture of this uh this Chad and adam but if you really want to um especially when you're in there alone have somebody to talk to you can get a little sauna elf on the rocks there just so that you're <laughs> you're at least you always got somebody looking out on your sauna if you're not even
0: home you know uh, uh, that's anyway. awesome those are so cool i mean that's that's the other cool thing right you you gotta you, you, you purchase something like this and now you're introducing yourself to a whole new community, right? Cause there is a community. And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm being a beginner again. So it's, those are cool. I'll have to take a look at those things.
2: Love it. Love it.
0: Awesome. The sausage sounds. We'll try that for sure.
2: <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I have a friend, Al, who, uh, who's actually a, a son of salesman, if you will.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: and I was over at his place and, um, you can tell it's really become a part of their family when like we, we went in there and of course, Al has the and and, and the sausage cooking. We come out and his wife has two great cold beers sitting on the, on the Muskoka chairs and like seven different types of mustards, not one, like
1: seven different mustards, (laughs) right? Like Uh, she,
2: it's, it's clearly been done before there's intention um, around that um, one.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, okay, that's awesome. I'm glad we got we I, I couldn't we couldn't have you on the podcast without talking about with sauna So I appreciate uh the chat. Um but one of the, the big reasons why people will be listening to this is um is to discuss sort of your personal passion and the sort of the work that you do uh with threshold leadership. And both Adam and I have been lucky enough to kind of work with you a a few times and understand some of it in the past few years. Um and we've implemented some of the tools into our lives so. I would love if you could give us sort of an introduction to, to Threshold Leadership um, and sort of just give us an introduction and, and we can go from there because I know there's a lot of stuff we can talk about.
2: Sure, sure. So a quick intro on it. I would say like typically whenever you start something, it's because there's a pain around it. And so the work that I've been doing and have the pleasure of, of now doing as my profession at Threshold Leadership is really helping business owners, business leaders with families uh, manage the intersection of how they invest and grow their wealth, their health, and their most important relationships. And I share the comment around like solving a problem because I know I can be entirely honest with you two. Like I, I'm not somebody who is always great at that, and I'm still practicing that. I'm still getting better, but it's so important to me to deliberately practice that, that I've spent a lot of time, um, not only putting myself in rooms and in positions to be able to learn from some of the best in the world, but creating space to, at the end of the day, create my own work that I feel like not only takes the, those tools, those, that body of work to the next level, but gives a practice and a way of managing um, that intersection of family, of work, and of your own well-being um, to the next level. And so that's kind of the the impetus in the work that we do now. And a lot of it um, is grounded in this body of work that we call strategic solitude, teaching leaders how to strategically take space to be on their own, to consistently recalibrate the way they're managing those because life changes. There are different seasons. Adam has a little one coming into the world. I just brought Will into the world. You're at a different stage too, Chad, where you kids are a little bit older now. So the way that we invest in those things, ebbs and flows, what's most important is that we have a practice to be able to continually manage and evolve that. And that's really my passion around Threshold is being able to work alongside business leaders who are up for that challenge, who are up for the challenge uh, and the commitment of putting in the work to be able to continuously improve that and have the humility to recognize that it's a part of the human condition to not have that stuff nailed.
0: And I do want to uh, set this up. Like, obviously, your focus is a lot with business leaders. Um, but I'm, my assumption is like anyone listening, whether they own a business or not, can, I guess, I guess, can learn from this and can take some of the same principles and sort of use it on, with their with life as well.
2: A hundred percent, Chad. Like, to put it really simply and, and directly, the work that we do is all about this concept of self leadership. How do you lead self hmm. so i really don't care what business you're in or what level of business that you're in. even if you're a student or a, an athlete at the end of the day we must take absolute personal responsibility for how our performance is and how fulfilled we are in our life and our lived experience the body of work that we do i appreciate your point point in just making that really clear it's relevant to anybody who wants to take absolute personal responsibility for how they're showing up and how they're leading our body of work is all around this idea of self-leadership. A way that I kind of put this sometimes is we help people become the CEOs of the most important enterprise in their life. Okay. Right? That's available mm-hmm. to anybody. Available mm-hmm. to anybody.
0: Awesome. Um, I know you've used the term in the past and I wanted to see if you could share like the share what the meaning of triple bottom line means. Uh for you so that the listeners can get a good understanding of how we build this up. There's obviously, there's a lot of terms that you use and uh, we'll probably go through that and we'll build it over time, but um, maybe we start there.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll take it slow because I think it's important to kind of build into it. Like you said. Do you mind if I share a story, Chad, to quickly of kind of highlight this idea of a triple bottom line and where it came from? Yeah. Okay. So back in 2012, 2013. Um, I was in the process of building my first business called Concussion Toolbox. Uh, I went to school for for kinesiology and have a bit of a knack for entrepreneurship. I was more interested in selling the stuff that we were doing rather than doing the research. And long story short, um, there was an opening in, in November that year where I, um, unfortunately, my, my partner at the time, Kelsey, had just left me and uh, for good reason, in hindsight, um, good for her. <laughs> And uh, I ended up taking some space away from work from my first trip alone uh, ever. And so where did I go? I took off to, to BC. I parted my butt off for, for about a week, did some snowboarding, living in the mountains. And then I jumped on a plane and went to Hawaii. I thought it was going to be one of the best weeks of my life. Getting out to the paradise. I've always had my eyes set on Hawaii. And I remember getting there, Chad. And I didn't know what it was when I first got there and it arrived. I didn't leave my hotel room for probably three or four days. I found myself literally crying over Corona's over the lunch hour and I couldn't put my finger on it. It was this moment and think back like this is 2012, 2013. There wasn't a ton of Wi-Fi. It wasn't like you could try on your iPhone and be exactly where you were just in a different state at that point in time. I was in a hotel, but it wasn't great Wi-Fi. And, I was alone for the first time. I was only in the presence of my own thoughts, and I was unable to distract myself with my friends, with my work, um, all the things I become accustomed to and quite used to. And I remember I was, I was sitting there. <laughs> uh, a staff member from the resort came up to me and said, is everything okay? Because it's been like two days, and we've seen you around here. <laughs> you don't look great. And um, maybe you've had an experience like this, but like you meet somebody who you don't even know, but all of a sudden it feels like you're safe to share everything that's on the go. And that's where I had openly shared to her name was Kina. Um, she was a cleaning staff member at the, at the resort that I was at. I said, I fucking hate the business that I'm in. Like, I, 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 I hate it. It's all around concussions. I've had concussions myself. Like it feels like I'm just throwing salt in the wound. I don't like being the concussion guy. And I'm even embarrassed to go down to the beach. I'm 50 pounds overweight. I won't even take my shirt off. I'm in the most beautiful place in the world and I can't even enjoy it. And like my partner just left me for good reason because I haven't been around at all. And I'm sitting here like a miserable prick because I'm realizing how I was complicit in creating the very conditions that led me here. And it was in that moment when I was out there alone and I didn't necessarily call this strategic solitude at that moment. It was more like the solitude I was having, I thought I was there for a a great time. In hindsight, it was amazing. And it was the beginning of my journey and taking responsibility in those areas. But I had realized that you know, as a young guy growing up who wanted to make sure I was a great dad and a great partner, I was doing the very things that I said I wouldn't do. And I was in a position where I had to, to look at that person in the mirror. And so to make a long story short, I, I, I had a, a, a really meaningful time there. There was a few big decisions that I ended up making, um, two of which was to exit the business that I was in. And the second one was to call my dad after not talking to him for about five or six years. to okay. apologize. And when I got on the plane, I remember sitting there and I was saying to myself, like, how the hell did I find myself in this pickle? Why did I just waste a week? And that's how I described it at that point in time. Like, why just waste a week in Hawaii? Which I don't think you could ever waste a week there, but mm-hmm. you can imagine where my frustration was. How did I find myself in this position? Why did it have to get so painful for me to realize all of this? And I started to think about a lot of the businesses that I was working alongside. And just out of curiosity, was like, how do businesses manage this? Like, how do they manage this? Like, they're growing a really intentional business, but where they're not doing it at the cost of their people. They're not doing it at the cost of their culture. But in fact, they're doing it where the effort of building that business is growing their people. It's growing their culture. And so I was just doing some research on the plane and and doing some reading, and it was in the few short days thereafter where I'd come across a concept of a B Corporation. Chad, Adam, have you guys ever heard of a B Corporation before?
1: Chad, Adam? I, I have, but only, I don't know, through you, but the concept of it, yeah. Through business, yeah. Chad?
0: I'll play beginner. No.
1: You're a good man. Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so a B Corporation, at that point in time, I never heard of it either. And I was really interested because a B Corporation is a corporation. They, they're, they're in business to make profit, but they have a very different corporate structure where they operate a triple bottom line. They evaluate their success off of a triple bottom line of profit, people, and planet. I thought, well, this is interesting. Wait a minute. like Here's a type of organization, a series of organizations. Today there's, I think, over 4,000 of them around the world that are intentionally growing and evolving their businesses to make sure that the profit they are making is not at the cost of their people and their planet, in fact, The heuristic or the mental model, this framework of a triple bottom line is respectfully creating an environment where the leaders are challenged and accountable to demonstrating how the way they grow their business is actually growing their people, growing their communities, and helping and serving the planet. And that's where I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. It's this idea to me. I was like, you can have it all. In business, you can have it all. You can make great profit. You can help your people, and you can take care of the planet. That's really interesting. And so B Corporations were how I kind of stumbled across the principle of a triple bottom line. And then I started to sit there chatting at them, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. Like, I believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if I'm going to manage my business in this way, how do I manage myself in this way? What's my triple bottom line? And one of my biggest reflections, and just to give credit where it's due, a friend of mine, Philip, gave me this language. I had realized when I came home from Hawaii that I was rich on paper and poor in life. I've been doing really well on the wealth side of things, but it was at the cost of the people in my life and the cost of my health. And that's why I started to just ask myself, like, what would my triple bottom line be? And I sat with that for a couple of years. And I just started to really, after sitting with it and having conversations, come to a simple understanding that my triple bottom line is wealth, absolutely, I need that. It supports my family. It allows me to go and do the cool shit that I want to go and do. But health and my relationships are two other non-traditional currencies that I need to intentionally be growing my life in a way where it's not at the cost of those. But if I do it deliberately, and I believe we can all have it all, if we do it deliberately, we can in fact grow our wealth alongside the relationships that we have and our health. It is possible, but it takes a framework. It takes a commitment. And I find the triple bottom line, Chad and Adam, was just a really helpful way for me to wrap my head around even like vernacular and nomenclature in business, things that I was so used to and had so much respect for and just put that over to personal. So that's the idea of a triple bottom line. Is that helpful?
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And so so that's sort of the start of it. Where does it go from there?
1: You no, know, I think it's so cool because at, at Limitless, I think it's kind of the same thing as we have so many incredibly uh, successful people, like Dave said, maybe on paper or um, in their careers, um, but they, they, they come across this awareness that they're either missing something from their health standpoint or their community standpoint. And they've either heard from a friend or family member that, hey, like this community at Limitless, a bunch of hardworking people, um and then they regain their health back and now they're looking for family and relationships and ways to do it, which you know, until meeting Dave and kind of you know working with him and his him always challenging me with great questions. And for those have who have worked with Dave or just been around Dave, you know that he always asks great questions and gets you thinking and tests you and makes sure you know what's what's going on internally and around yourself. Um, it's it's it was it's about that at Limitless, and that's when he made me aware and Michelle aware of you know we of this of putting what we're doing into words into actions of like it's more than just a workout that people are coming to your gym for. It's community. It's yes, their health, but they the, to to bring you know fulfillment to all aspects of their lives, which is really cool.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. That's so well said, Adam, and I appreciate that. And I remember kind of going back to your first question here, Chad, around how did I discover LP? um, A big thing that kind of dawned upon me when I really started to invest in my health again, I was like, wow, if I want to make more money and have more memories with my kids, one of the best ways to do that is just live longer. (laughs) What if I just live longer? Right. What if I just like if I invest in my health and I have a great community and I have a vocation that allows me to serve and to make meaningful wealth, like those are some pretty good ingredients. And I think to your my point earlier about like a homecoming and feeling like I belong at LP, I think part of me was like, wow, like here are people who know and are putting in the work to have it all. And when I say have it all, I don't mean like it's all great and it's all easy. I mean that they have it all and that they have the vitality to go and lead long-term in a sustainable way. They have the community that's there to support them when they go and get tough and they have a vocation that's meaningful and creates great contribution.
0: Yeah. That's great stuff.
2: So as far as where where it goes from here to your question, Chad, Um, um, I think like understanding the concept of a triple bottom line is really interesting um, but it's about contextualizing it right and mm-hmm. at the end of the day I think for many of us first checking in on what the current state of a triple bottom line is for a long time I attached my sense of self-worth to my net worth full stop I attached my self-worth to my net worth and I only had that one currency to kind of measure myself on So a triple bottom line, I think a first step and what's next is like, how would you rate and evaluate the amount of wealth you have in each of those areas right now? I have a pretty simple way of thinking about it. I don't like overcomplicating things. I use a kind of like a traffic light model. Um, It's like one star, you're experiencing poverty in this area, the lack of resources in your wealth or your health or your relationships are becoming a barrier the things you want to go and do, you are held back as a result of that. Two stars might mean that like, let's say that's pretty poor. Like you're getting by, you can can kind of make ends meet, but it's certainly not, you're not doing the things that are aligned with where you want to go long-term. Three stars means that like, you feel like you're doing the right things and you want to benefit from time and compound interest. So when I was finally, like if you were to think about this in the health set context and me coming back to LP, I would say I walked through the doors at a two star. It wasn't like I was unable to go to work and unable to go and do things that I wanted based on the current state of my health when I started at LP. I was getting by, but I certainly wasn't investing in it. I would say it was it was pretty poor. It was a worst-case scenario, but it was pretty poor. Once I started connecting with and really engaging actively um, in one of those transient moments <laughs> as a member, um, that was me being at a three-star level that's where all of a sudden where I was like, okay, I'm doing the right things. I just want to focus on consistency. If I continue to do these right things, I'm going to have a high savings rate. I'm going to continue to benefit from the compound return on me doing that day in and day out. And then four stars, in my opinion, we're going back to that scale just to simply share it with people is um, I believe four stars is where you all of a sudden have enough wealth in that particular area that you um, it's almost like intergenerational wealth. I think Adam and you are phenomenal examples of this you have enough health set in your life that those around you cannot help but positively benefit from the amount of abundance you have in that particular area adam as a result of the immense health set that he has in community look at what you're building at lp you are sharing it with other people you are giving it back you have so much that you've done it for yourself you're in a position to be able to extend it and be of service for me one of the biggest areas that i have that in my life is my relationships i wouldn't kid anybody and say that i have that in my health set i think it's something that i personally ebb and flow on a little bit given the seasons that i'm in right now and that's okay but look at you adam and the lp crew like what a great example of a community that's been built through consistency and doing the same not the same things but doing consistent focused work to be able to grow that over time to be in a position where you're not just doing it for adam you're not just doing it for michelle You're doing to be able to go and share it for other people. Look at Aaron, who just ran the marathon. Another great example. Like it took her many, many months and years probably of training to get to a spot where she had the health set where all of a sudden she had enough that she can start to inspire and positively impact her kids and the community around her. You see that inside the LP community a ton. There's no shortage of examples, but there's a hell of a big shortage outside. Outside this call, outside these doors, there's a lot of people out there who don't necessarily understand the importance of holistically investing in each of those and recognize that when you have that health set, when you have that community, like that's a winning strategy to be able to continue to win in business long term. But again, most of us are usually really, really good at one of those things. Right. Most of yeah. us are exceptionally good at managing our money and terrible at the other two or really, really good at our health but won't even look at our bank account. I see that all the time too.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you get people to sort of understand that balance then? Because I agree with you. Like most people are fairly singular focused on one of those things, right? Like how do you sort of diversify your sort of thinking into like these three areas?
2: I think one of the best ways to do it is through storytelling, Chad. I think there is a really important role on people who have done the work and are doing the work to be able to share their stories. And even mediums like this podcast are a fabulous platform to be able to do that, for others to be able to hear it. You know, I I often, you know, my my mother-in-law says this all the time. People would do better if they knew better. People would do better if they knew better. And you would do the exact same thing that they would do as long as you had all the same experiences that shaped and formed who they are. And so I think that's a big part of is how do you, how you diversify that is you create opportunities to share stories. And I think there is a challenging bit like a casino and a gap because a lot of times, and if I think to myself about this, when I was in a spot where I was running Concussion Toolbox and not doing well, just like before going to Hawaii, it's amazing how good we are, how sneaky we are when we're addicted to something. In that case, for me, it was work. On avoiding circumstances that would invite deeper reflection on how i'm really doing on my relationships and how i'm really doing in my health so there is a it's not a simple one conversation right i think it's a series of conversations um but ultimately at the end of the day the process of beginning that is letting go of the lie that you've been telling yourself letting go of the lie that your health is just fine and that you have great relationships but typically for most people Pain has to get to a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 before they say shit. All right. And that was my experience in Hawaii. That's when pain, pain got dialed up pretty good. And it's happened multiple times since then. But the hope with the work that we do is like, how do you take a prehab approach to managing these types of things? A lot of us take a rehab approach. We wait till something's wrong to go and address it. I learned that, especially in the Ironman journey. It's like an ounce of prevention is worth a pounding cure. Let me tell you. So like, <laughs> Like be proactive, be preventative, prehab as much as you can. And I think those currencies of relationships, your health and your wealth are three really big, three real big ones (laughs) to make sure that we're proactive on.
1: Yeah, no, it's so cool to hear, Dave. And like, you know, we haven't got to have these amazing conversations as of late, but we've had so many of them in the past. And I think I've almost just been lucky To be surrounded by such an awesome community at limitless that i didn't i haven't had to get to a nine out of ten in pain before the awareness factor kicked in or I, i i met you dave or i've met jen to talk about you know naturopathic wellness and i've met other amazing people to talk about whether it's health or business or relationships so it is it, it, you're so right that it is, you know, the more we can share this information to other people. I see so many people in the LP community that that have, you know two out of three that they're, you know in that three, four, five star range, or they have one out of three that they're in the five star range and they're working to build up those others. But the challenge with Michelle and I always was like, we're such uh, regimented um, strategic uh, thinkers that we needed like a system around it in order for us, like the theory of and the concepts were cool. And, but like, it would make us panic, like working out without a plan. <laughs> and I think that's where you've really helped us create a strategy around actually evaluating these three crucial systems, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And
2: it's also amazing that you're in a community where you don't need to experience that level of pain too, to be able to learn. Yeah. Um, Not everybody has that. Right. And it's a result of like you were saying you're kind of lucky. I would respectfully challenge that and say, I think (laughs) that you created an environment where that can happen and now you're benefiting from it. Yeah. It's my perspective. Um, but yeah, to your, to your point, like having a strategy around it's really important. And I think an important piece too, is to recognize, I'd love to maybe even just hear from both of you before we charge on as far as like how you would rate your triple bottom line right now. I'd be interested, I'm sure those listening would be interested to have you you check in on that. But one comment that I'll, I'll make just to give you a moment to think about that is, I don't believe somebody who's struggling with their relationships or their wealth or their health. Like, I don't believe it's their fault. Yeah. I, think a lot of, no. like, I, I really don't believe it's their fault. I think what's missing here, it's not that you're a bad person or that you're terrible at managing money or um, that you've been neglecting things. Like, it's, not, it's not your fault. The error of the omission here is you don't have a system. You don't have a cadence. You don't have a way of beginning again. You don't, have, um, uh, you don't have ceremony. You don't have a ritual and a way that you create space to be able to um, consistently ask these types of questions. You know, I'll give a, a really quick example and, and, and an anecdote on what I mean by this. I'm sure, like many people on the listening to this, I took up the professional sport of walking during COVID. That's where I've been, Adam. I haven't been an LP. I've been a professional been walker. Happy, uh, professional <laughs> walker. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and I remember asking a young couple who was walking down the road. We were, we were chatting. We were gavin and, and they were celebrating their 10 year anniversary. And I said to them, you know, have you married 10 years or one year repeated 10 times?
1: See, I told you guys about these questions, <laughs>
2: kidding. right? And and it's that's what I mean. The reason why people don't are struggling in some of these areas and have to wait for pain is because they don't have actively created moments to evaluate their experience that's how you find yourself in a position where all of a sudden you're celebrating your 10 year anniversary and you realize it hasn't been 10 great years it's been one year repeated 10 times and that's okay to have that type of realization but in my opinion if you want to really become what i refer to as um, an eclectic millionaire i'm sure we'll get to that in a moment um evaluating your experience is like the leading indicator of somebody who's able to manage those things well. I'll say that again. Evaluating your experience and the amount of time you take to go and evaluate and check in is a leading indicator. If I know somebody's doing that regularly, I can tell you without a doubt, either right now or downstream from there, they're going to be positively growing and evolving the areas that matter to them. Reflection and awareness is a preamble to making better choices and getting better results at the end of the day. So Adam, Chad, I'd love to hear from you, like bottom line. (laughs) No. Where are you at right now? And again, seasons are all different, right? So I'll maybe I'll start just to kind of break the ice. But I would say for me, um, I'm a solid like three minus on the health right now. I feel like I've been doing some good things. Um, but I've actually made an active choice over the last year to not actively invest as much as I normally do in my health. Because for me, I would say I'm a four right now on the family front. Big time, and I made an active choice to make sure I'm really, really focused on Will and the other kids. We have some stuff going on at home that requires that. That's my season right now. Do I want it to stay there? No, I certainly want it to change. And then on a the wealth front, I would say I'm probably a three. So three on wealth. I'll say three because I don't like half answers. Three on 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 health and uh, on relationship side, I would say I'm I'm probably around a four. But uh, Chad, why don't we why don't we start with you?
0: Um, I will agree with you, uh, a four on the health. I've invested a lot into that recently. Um, I think I could say a three for wealth and for relationships. I would probably say a two or three COVID. Like I I think we're getting, I I would probably say three. I mean, during COVID relationships kind of obviously did for most people. Um, you know, and also taught us a lot about relationships and like, I mean, quality over quantity. So i probably put myself between a two and a three on that, getting to a three for sure.
2: Awesome. Awesome. It sounds like the relationship piece is kind of the right next thing for you to focus on. And you got some good stability. Yeah. And, the, and, yeah.
0: and, and I'm already yeah. sort of feeling that already, like good. this past summer and stuff like that. So like it might have been a two like a year ago, but it's, you know, it's at a three.
2: Well, now that you got a sauna, like just wait. And, yeah. and there's another reason. <laughs> there you go. good man Adam how do you
1: well it was nice to go last because I get to kind of a little bit of reflection while you guys went and uh health is sometimes too predominant but it's typically all all or nothing with that so you know I think if I gave myself less than a five people would be um maybe question their own um so just remember
2: sorry just as we get into this um (laughs) We're, we're we're on a four point scale here, Adam, and the reason oh. being is like three is like the easiest cheat.
1: Yes, right. So
2: like we go yes. we go four just so there's there's no there's none of that middle road. You know the classic I, like how you doing one to ten, seven's yeah. not an answer. Like, wow, you gotta just, get you gotta get rid of the cheat right in the I middle. People myself, use it all the time. I
0: gave beyond, myself
1: so. the hundred and ten percent of a hundred percent effort. <laughs> I you know if anybody forward, could say five it. though, if, if anybody say could 18. say
2: five <laughs> though, yeah, it's you. Yeah.
1: Yes, like I said, often spending too much time. Just to ask my wife um, <laughs> for uh, relationships. Uh, currently, I would say because I know I got to up my game in 2022. Um, I'm going to say a three. And then wealth. Um, I'm going to say a, a two. I'm going to say I need to invest more time into, uh, you know, business. And I spend a lot of time, you know, at LP and working on business, but not necessarily on, you know, the, the financial success of business, which then creates, you know, wealth or or Mm -hmm. financial success. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Great. That's where I'm at. Dave, I, great. you want to? Are you going to elaborate, or can I just ask something really quick?
2: Of course you can. Yeah.
1: When you when you say seasons, I I I feel like I know what you mean, but can you maybe explain what you mean by seasons?
2: For sure, for sure. So what I don't mean is the literal season. Like right. here we are, September twenty second, right? Have the fall equinox in and, and Canada, the autumn. <laughs> Autumn arrives, the leaves change, kids go outside in funky costumes and eat terrible candy. Um, you know, it's, it's that's not what I mean. What I mean by seasons is, like, in life, um, some of us right now are experiencing winter. Some of us are right now are experiencing, like, a, a darker season, a heavier time. Things mm-hmm. are tough. We've lost somebody that we really love. Maybe we're really, really struggling with our mental health. Um, or perhaps we've just had change that has put us into an environment where we don't necessarily have the foundation that we're used to. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by seasons, Adam, is that like sometimes there's winter and winter might last for a year or two. Um, There's also seasons in life where kind of like spring, if you think about the farmer, right, where we're planting seeds, we're beginning something new. Right. Starting a new business. It's a great example. It's an exciting time, but you're planting some seeds. You're, 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 you're in the very early stages of something. It's fresh. It feels vibrant outside, but you don't actually get a chance to see the fruits of your labor. But you do get to have the enthusiasm that comes with renewal and the excitement of what's to come. Then you have summer. Summer is like, summer's great. Summer's also hard and hot because at that point in time, like you're just in a spot where you already have the seeds in the ground. You're just putting the effort in. It. You're a season in your life. When I say season, it's maybe a year, it's maybe a half year, maybe a series of years together where you're focused on cultivating the soil, taking care of things and really being consistent and doing the things you need to be able to grow. Um, and then you have harvest season or you have fall where, for some of us, we come into moments in our life where we're on the other side of summer, we've worked really hard, and we have an opportunity for a season to be able to um, enjoy the fruits of our of our labor, enjoy the outcome of all of our hard work. That could be financially, it could be um, in, in relationships, it could be in, in a, vi- a variety of different ways. But that's what I mean by seasons. If you think like thematically what each of these seasons are, if I look back for myself, like I would say three or four years ago, um, I was in a really interesting winter season. And it was between leaving the work that I was doing in corporate innovation and management consulting and switching over to what I'm doing now. There was a winter season where like, I felt totally lost. I was leaving a team and a community that I loved and I was starting something new, but I wasn't at the spot yet where I had the excitement of like putting roots in the ground and getting excited about what I was building. I was in that weird limbo stage. Um Right. And so like those, those happen, those come and go. And so I think seasons is interesting because a couple of reasons. One, um, my personal experience, my personal observation, so a lot of people don't know what season they're in and they wish they were in another season. And that's the cause of a lot of suffering. Like sometimes there's a tremendous peace that can come from acknowledging that you are in the season that you're in. It's also nice because if you think about the metaphor of seasons, this too shall pass, right? It's okay to be in those types of seasons. We know that spring always follows winter, always does predictably, right? Um, and so I think that's, a, that's an important piece is, is when we have that approach and understanding seasons, it allows us to extend ourselves a little bit more grace for the season that we're in um, and to be able to, to lead it a little bit differently. You know, right now in my family with Will, I've made an active choice that in this season of bringing Will into our life, um, that's a season that I need to intentionally maybe pull back on a few things with work, with my investments in my health. Like I I made a really active choice on that. Seasons are also important though, because it's important that I don't just do that forever. Like, just because I had a kid and brought Mm -hmm. Will into the world, doesn't mean like I'm just like off of work and off of health. Like, no, but for one season, I can give myself and for, hey, you know what, like for the next half year, I'm just going to give myself permission to not have to contribute or do the same things at the same level of intensity. And by having a seasonal mentality, I already have time on my calendar. I know I'm going to go away. For me, it's December 22nd. So I'm going away next. And I know that at that point in time, I'm going to have an opportunity to look at the season that's passed and say, okay, it's time to begin again. Like, What's the right next thing to do based on the season I'm going into, based on how the home front's going, based on how my work's going? Like, What's the right next thing for me to do going into that? And so I think that seasonal approach, like I said, when you understand where you are, it allows you to kind of like push out the things that might happen in other seasons or give yourself permission to just be where you are rather than wishing you could be doing more when really that's not the reality of the environment that you're in. Is that helpful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you've helped Michelle and I create a little structure around those seasons and set focuses for particular seasons like you just mentioned. We've been struggling, I think COVID has turned into a season in itself. That's right. And when you just set a date December 22nd, I'm going away to evaluate the season that's passed and set a new focus or focuses for the upcoming. It reminded me that like when we were our most successful at shifting seasons, which we're in desperate need of doing before December 30th, 2021, um we needed to book the time. We've been trying to, you know, book a we call it a goal setting weekend with Chad and Christine and Matt and Lindsay um to do some strategic solitude. Um, but you know, like we keep something always gets in the way. Um and I think it's so important you just said like I have the time booked and I'm going away to do it.
2: Can I can I share a really interesting practice to overcome that?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please. We need <laughs> mm-hmm. because like
2: there I struggle I, I I struggle with that. There's no shortage of reasons. To, to not go or like for you to have the date and then they get bumped out. Yes. Like there's, oh. and if it's not you, it's your spouse. Like there's, like there's, there's, a, when we're in a team environment, like running a family, it's not just your stuff that gets in the way of that. It's everybody else's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'll tell a quick story to highlight this principle and I'll explain how to solve this problem in the context of creating strategic solitude for yourself to do that reflection work, Adam. And Iron Man, both you and I, probably me way more than you, I bitched and complained about how much my legs hurt all the time. I was always like I like I was always surprised that I was feeling tired and feeling (laughs) fatigued. And I would always wait until my legs were about to fall off my torso for me to call Dale to go and get a massage.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? And so what I've come to appreciate is how can you make it easier to follow through than to not? What are ways that you, what's the strategy you can deploy to be able to make following through in the space that you know, you and Michelle and Chad and and everybody wants to take and, and needs to take to be able to continue managing what you're doing? How do you make it easier to follow through and harder to not? So with Dale, I know it's a good idea to get massage. I call Dale. Hmm. I book a massage every two weeks for the next year. I give him my credit card. I authorize it. It's already paid. Can I cancel the appointment? For sure I can. It just takes more effort for me to go and cancel the appointment than it does to go and follow through. Will Dale give me my money back if I can't go? I'm sure he would. Absolutely. But I have to ask for it. I've set myself up where the conditions are already set where like the default is doing it rather than having to put in effort to be able to pick the day and pick the place and pick the time and pick the who and pick the where. So with strategic solitude what I do, I love the Allura Mill. One of my favorite hotels in the region. Mm-hmm. I love going there to sneak away and have some space of my own. I don't try and find that time in the middle of a quarter or a season where like going into December, I already know the holidays are going to be crazy. I call the alarm room. I booked my favorite hotel. Room. It is booked out for the next year. Every 90 days. I have given them my credit card. It is a refundable deposit. I can get that money back if I want. I've had to already cancel one earlier because of something that really required me to cancel and to reschedule it. But I had to put an effort. I had to like, it wasn't easy for me to pick up the phone <laughs> to call right. to cancel it. Right? right. And so it's a matter of like, how do you know what's good for you and like install it so that it's already going to happen unless you do something about it. Amazing. So that's been something that I think both like even with LP and the commitment to being a part of that community, signing up for the classes on Sunday for the whole entire week. The yeah. default is we're doing this.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Right. The default is we're doing this. If I'm not, I have to make the awkward email asking for a cancellation or yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah. So that's a big way to be able to go and solve that. And then, secondly, it's like do it in a way that excites you. I always say build adventure on the front end. Have an activity that you haven't done before that you're super stoked to go and do with your partner or by yourself. Absolutely. Right. Make it worth going. Amazing. That makes sense to you, Adam, on the idea of that?
1: Bingo. Agreed.
0: Yeah, that's a great practice. And I I think you mentioned a few times um, this idea about eclectic millionaire. I'd like to dive into a little bit in sort of the six areas of sort of eclectic wealth, because I know you've talked about this a little bit.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably just for the time that we have here, Chad. Easiest just for me to kind of explain what I mean by the eclectic millionaire. And really, like the, the, the eclectic millionaire is somebody who has it all. It's somebody who's like four stars in all, in all three areas. That's what it is, right? Okay. It's somebody who like, it, it, they're, they're, they're designing life on their own terms and they're designing a lived experience. I personally think that is one of the coolest art forms in the world. I know a couple of guys and gals, maybe enough on like one or two hands where I can, with absolute confidence, sit down and say, wow, these guys are actively creating a lived experience that is remarkable to watch. They have built such amazing relationships. They have so much health. They have so much money that they're able to go and design a lived experience that is remarkable to watch. That's an eclectic millionaire, right? It's somebody who doesn't attach their self-worth to their net worth. That's what a millionaire might look like or somebody who's achieving that type of success. It's somebody who really is striving to holistically have it all and want to build it all. But I would say the most important defining attribute is that they want to have it all, not for themselves. Right. They want to have it. That's the whole idea of like intergenerational wealth. They want to have it so that those around them can benefit from it. Right. right. That's the whole idea. It's certainly not for you to enjoy it yourself. You'll just be crying over coronas in Hawaii by yourself. <laughs> That's not a good way to do it.
1: That's funny. You, if you probably those people are probably the most giving individuals you know. The ones that you know you would describe as having that eclectic wealth. Cool.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's, the eclectic millionaires like recognize that like beauty is in the process of, is found in the process of generosity. Like they, they don't get excited about like earning and achieving the outcome on their own. Like Adam, I would say you exemplify these qualities personally with it. I watch you in the way that you support the LP community. You are so fucking excited to see everybody who's yeah. winning and accomplishing their goals. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. You are so generous with your time and helping in any way you can to be able to enable somebody in their next step. Yeah. Right. Like that. that's kind of and the idea, Chad, of the cruel. eclectic millionaire is like giving language to that. Right. And to me, I find language is really important. Because it's so easy for us to identify with different words that we use. And sometimes, and this is often to my own detriment too, like we can have too, too, too much language. We can make things too difficult to understand. And I even know today in our conversation, there's maybe been some interesting terms and like strategic solitude, a triple bottom line, eclectic millionaire. And at the same time, as I continue to do work like this with people, like they don't forget it. They don't forget it when they have that type of language, right?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned that about me and I say yes. And I don't mean to sound like rude or whatever. You don't so, at all. Yes. And, and, yeah.
2: and that's, that's also something you'll recognize too, Adam, with somebody who has realized that type of success, whether in one area or all areas of their life, is that they have the humility to say thank you. Right. They're, they're able to say thank you. Yes, you're right. I, I do have that. I do do that. And I'm proud of that. I do that because it's intentional. I do right. it because that's why I'm here. That's my job. I
1: love, I love, I'm passionate about it and I love every second of it, right? That's yeah, there's no need to qualify it or apologize
2: it. for it. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Adam, to your to your comment, um, unless chat, did you want to chat about strategic solitude at all? Any more around that? Or is that where you wanted to go next after the Eclectic Millionaire Yeah, I, piece sort,
0: of, I, I sort of wanted to end on that. Um, awesome. Because I think that's a good practice that our, re- our listeners can sort of take away from this.
2: Yeah. Um, So maybe before I I jam on it and kind of explain it to to you guys and and, and those who are listening, um, Adam, I want to ask you really quickly, this idea of strategic solitude. You talked about a strategy that you and Michelle have adopted. Yes. Can you just give us like the 30, 60 second summary of like, what does that look like for you? What have you started to build for yourselves? And I understand during COVID, like those things slip in consistency and that that's That's cool, but you you have a good understanding of it, and I'd be curious to have you explain it to the community first, Um, and then I can maybe like weave in and add some color around how people can do it on their own.
1: Is that yeah? So cool. Is that fair? So cool, yeah. And and you know, before I say like I created this, no, it's it's something I've learned through Dave and other amazing you know resources that I have. And so I would say the strategic solitude starts with these ninety day. Uh, see, seasonal, let's call it check ins, whether it's 90 days or six months or whatever it is, seasonal check ins. And like I said, Michelle and I haven't been doing an amazing job of it. But I think to go greater than that, um, if you really want to hold yourself accountable to those seasonal goals and focuses, it's like a monthly target, uh, a weekly check in and a daily checklist. So like working back from that big overall seasonal focus to some monthly like targets that you want to hit and then weekly check-ins that you check on Sunday. How did I do this week? How am I feeling? And then just a little daily checklist of reminders of focus points. That's Mm -hmm. the perfect scenario for me for strategic solitude.
2: And it's a great practice because what you've done with that is you take a high level understanding of where you want to go and you make it eye level right away, right? Yeah, yeah. By like kind of cascading this to all the you take a high level game plan, and you make it eye level. Often you'll see like people are really good at having New Year's resolution, oh this is what I want to do for the next year, but they actually don't <laughs> like bring it down to a next step. Right. Um, or you have somebody who lives like moment by moment, step by step, and they end up just kind of zigzagging like you and I did in our first swim in Lake Michigan, <laughs> right?
1: Exactly, exactly.
2: Cool, yeah. So this idea of strategic solitude, right, now that we have the frame of reference of a triple bottom line, um, really the the practice here and the invitation, um, and we do this for our business all the time, like where the practice of strategic solitude came from um, and the name for it was I would take executive teams away for strategic planning. We would typically do it once a year. We'd go away to a really nice resort and then every quarter we'd get together and I, over lunch hour, over a glass of wine at night, I would... Well, typically, when a senior leader's aside and ask her or him, when was the last time you did this for their family? They'd kind of like, a man what do you mean?" I was like, "Well, the time and the money that you spend on doing this for your business, like, how much time do you spend on on this every year? Well, at least four or five days, if not more." I'm like, "Okay, how much money do you guys spend on this?" So, well, as a leadership team, probably like 50 to 150 grand. By the time we travel, everybody around the world and hotels and food, you know what I mean? Like, you spend a ton of money. I said. how much money have you spent on doing this for your family and you taking space like this? How much time is that? And so that's what we started to say. Well, what if we added one day on the back end of this? What if we did this for our work and we added one day on the back end where you had space to put that in the context of your family, the investments you want to make with your kids, what's happening, um, your house set, your spouses, your parents. Sometimes we have older parents too, that we need to go and take care of and be a part of. So strategic solitude is very much the principle and the practice of strategic planning in a business. The how you do one thing is how you do everything. It's creating space really you to do that for yourself. So strategic solitude is carving that space out. Chad, typically, like one day is a great place to start. I recommend quarterly is a great place to have a full day session. And the way that I like to design it, I often say at the front, it's really important that strategic solitude starts with adventure and awe. Going back to Adams. Question around, like, oh, or comment rather, not so much a question, comment of, oh, I know I need to go and do this, but there's so many things that get in the way. Yeah. When you have a kick ass fly fishing trip for the first three hours of a day on your strategic solitude day, not only do you fight off all the things that are going to get in the way of you being able to go and do that because it's so cool and exciting for you, and I'm just sharing my own interest mm-hmm. right now. Um, but when you're done that and you go into strategic solitude i always say adventure and awe is a process of homecoming it brings me home to the quiet part of myself that isn't always available to everybody right it's it's that the quiet part of myself that when i close my laptop after our call today kind of goes Whew, all right like it's that quiet place that that often it exists within and perhaps if i think back to the ironman experience you visit that person a couple times on those long runs.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
2: right. But adventure now is really important up front, is like setting that up. And I often say like, you have to two things. You have to go alone, and you mm-hmm. got to go to a place that you love. This is an act of loyalty. Strategic solitude is an expression of loyalty to self. When we take ourselves to a place that we love, that we love, not our spouse, not our friends, that we love, and we experience adventure and awe as a way for starting that experience, we're home, we're home. And so like, that in of itself, even if you just went away by yourself and you had space, what I would say for anybody who's looking to go and start doing strategic solitude and you are not used to the practice and consistency of something like Adam's mentioned where you're used to doing quarterly planning, Here's a simple and big idea. Like, Just go and do that. Go and give yourself the gift of just having a day to yourself where you can go away and see and listen to see what shows up. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. But over time, where do you build that? You build it into having some consistency. right? Every 90 days, like I said, the Allura Mill is a great place that I love to go to. That's kind of my my home base. For me, another really important thing, I think especially right now with, with, uh, with COVID on the go, I've found increasingly so it's super important to go shorter than a quarter. So like building playbooks, not even for 12 weeks. Like I think Christine was in one of our sessions not too long ago, Chad. Like that was a big thing that she took away from it. It was like six weeks plan, like shorter than a quarter. Go even like go more next step than even on a quarter level planning. Adam was mentioning like weekly daily check-ins. Those things are possible for some people also maybe sometimes challenging, but that, that six week game plan, right? And like getting... Getting less and less. So the halftime check-in is always always great um, within that as well. And then sure. the key things that I often ask myself in in strategic solitude, as far as like how do you spend that time? I kind of tend to focus on in addition to like health, wealth, and 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 uh, my relationships. I just ask myself some simple questions. And by I ask, I mean, like I have a pad of paper and I'm just journaling on these over a nice mm-hmm. lunch and and hanging out. It's like where am I really clear right now? where do i feel like i'm super clear where am i unclear when it comes to alignment like where what what value of mine am i leading from a great place of strength and another question like where is my audio not matching my video where do i tell people i do one thing but i'm actually not following through where does my audio not match my video mm-hmm. cool. and then capacity that's another important piece like an important question to ask ourselves like how do you know when it's time to hustle right How do you know when you have the capacity to go and lean in? That's another important question to check in on. How's my capacity right now? Mm -hmm. Where am I feeling weak or anxious? Right? And just by having that space, it's the self-awareness that allows us to be able to leverage our intuition and our sense of knowing to be able to help make some of those decisions. But again, most of us don't have that space to even ask those types of questions. That's the real key important piece to kind of start all of that.
1: Chad, we have all these coaches in our life. I think the answer is simple. We need we need help from Dave. Dave, how do we uh, get involved with one of those little courses like Christine did?
2: Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Um, speaking of season changes, every solstice, every equinox, we run a free open session just to oh, cool. be of service, to be able to pop in. So that's always one you can you can jump into. Um Truthfully, I mean, if you're if you're interested, Christine, I I invited her as a as a guest to one of the sessions that we were running with a group and a live group that we had on the go, just knowing there was a few people in our community who might benefit from practicing some of that work. So I would say if you're interested, um you can just reach out to me, reach out to me directly. We have a website, thresholdleadership.co. C-O. Cool. Um, and my email is pretty easy, just Dave at, at thresholdleadership.co. And then um, Otherwise, I mean, you can you can certainly reach out and I'm a. uh, Personally, I think we we would all all agree. We've all benefited from having coaches, someone showing you how to do something to me like that's I've never I've never lost when I invest in that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I would say, don't let finding a program be a barrier Mm -hmm, to you getting started, right? I'm happy to help. And like if if finding me is the most difficult thing for you to go and get started in the excuse, that's the wrong excuse. (laughs) If you want to find me and reach out, you can find out how. Um, But really, there's no excuse for you to start doing this on your own. And like I said, my invitation would be is start by just giving yourself the grace and the space to be able to um, enjoy that strategic solitude on your own with no agenda. And just go and see what shows up. Start there and let that be the beginning. Let that be the beginning of you asking yourself what you need more of and trust what shows up. And in my experience, the more you create that space, the more you trust what shows up, the deeper your sense of attunement comes with self and the sharper and sharper you get at being able to know what the right next thing to do is. Absolutely.
0: No, I think there's, I think there's a ton of information in this podcast. I think it's super insightful. Um, and even just following you on Instagram, I know you post a lot of stuff online too. So um, definitely for anybody listening that wants to understand more, definitely check out Dave online. Um, cause yeah, this is really good stuff. Some of it can be a little overwhelming to hear. Uh, but once you sort of put a little energy into it, I think it, it all sort of clears up a little bit. No, sure. it, it does. It does.
2: And I think that's, it's a good point, Chad. I mean, all of us have lots on the go. And if you think about the LP members, there's no shortage of mm-hmm. things they're doing, what's on their plate. I always like Let's assume we're just we're, we're running, we're operating a program that we already have and, and that program being our life. The best thing that we can do, and this is something I continue to ask myself and focus on all the time, what is the right next thing? Based on where I'm at, what's the right next thing? Just one thing, not five, not three. Like what is the one right next thing? And for anybody who's listening to this feeling overwhelmed, that's why I'm saying and really emphasizing and underscoring. The right next thing is, is to take space for yourself. Just start there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So. Start there.
0: See what has, See what shows up. That's the right next thing. Yeah. No, it's excellent. I think. I think we're. I mean, we're so used to hustling and so used to you know just going in one direction for so long. Um, and I think COVID has really uh, shown that that's not always the right thing to do. And I think a lot of things that you're sort of teaching and talking about help sort of break that mold. So I think. Um, yeah. Super informative and amazing to have you on the podcast it's been a yes, long time coming buddy. so amazing
2: awesome what well, was a privilege to hang out with you guys thanks for for inviting me and creating the space and i have uh, the utmost respect for the both of you just as guys who are doing the work too right at the end of the day like i share these things and please don't mistake me i don't have it all figured out but i'm damn committed to the practice right that's and right. i and i think that's something that the three of us all share
1: that's right that's why we love hosting we learn something new every every episode and yeah so cool so cool right on guys well thanks so much
0: yes thank you dave i really appreciate it and yes thanks everyone for listening